0: This week's John Tap Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. Few retiring jockeys have ever been accorded a grander farewell than the one given to Darren Gouchy on his final day of riding at Caulfield in February of 2017. The Melbourne Racing Club went out of its way to honour Darren. The racing public gave him a rousing send-off and the respect and admiration of his fellow jockeys was clearly evident right through the day. And the fairy tale was completed when one of his three rides on that final day was a winner, a horse called Goodwill. What a career he'd had. 2,500 winners and 35 Group Ones and four Metropolitan Jockeys Premierships. Yet another accolade is about to come Darren Gouchy's way. Melbourne Books will soon launch the biography of his life in racing. It's called simply The Gouch and has been lovingly written by a young lady called Kristen Manning, already the author of biographies on Fields of Omar and Prince of Penzance and a highly regarded thoroughbred pedigree consultant. Darren Gouchy is online to talk to me from Melbourne Gouch, congratulations, a well-deserved tribute, this wonderful biography, simply called The Gouch.
1: It is, John. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, Kristen Manning uh, approached me about 12 months ago, just during uh, last year's Spring Carnival, and mm. she said she was interested in, in writing a book and thought it would be a good idea, and she's done a magnificent job. I didn't realise all the trouble that she's gone to. Mm. Um She actually knows more about me than what I know about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, She's done a a wonderful job, job. Darren. I'm halfway through the book and I can see that her research has been painstaking.
1: It has. Um, She's travelled, you know. She's she's obviously done a lot lot of homework, um, uh, looking up people that I I would have known in the past. and. Mm. Um, she went to visit such as like as Jeff Banford, um, a, a jockey. When I first started off about thirteen, who helped me to learn to ride with mm. my brother, and also made the trip to Hong Kong um, to see people in Hong Kong and, and interview them as well.
0: I mm. know oh, she went to great lengths to make the book mm. the finished product that it is, and uh, you should be very proud of it, mate. How did you feel about it when? When Kristen approached you about writing a biography, were you comfortable or were you uncomfortable? What were your first thoughts?
1: I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bit mixed, yeah. mixed-minded, actually. Um, look, after talking to Kristen, um, she basically, at the end of the conversation, yeah, that would be a good idea. But uh, at first, I was a little bit unsure. Hmm. Um, but after the, the end result and what I've seen and what Kristen's done, um, I'm happy I've done it
0: now. Well, the title is so appropriate, isn't it, The Gouch? You've had that nickname for most of your career, really. In fact, you'd have to say that people who call you Darren are in the minority. Have you any idea who <laughs>
2: started
1: it? Uh, no, I can't say uh, exactly who started it. But mm. I – look, it happened shortly after I started riding, actually. Mm. And um, – like when I was 17, that's when I got the nickname the Gouge, but mm. uh, it stuck with me throughout my career.
0: You were apprenticed at Caulfield to a wonderful man called Frank King, who'd also been the master of top riders like Dale Short and Stan Aitken. In fact, it was when Dale Short came out of his time that a vacancy popped up in the Frank King stable and you were in there like a shot.
1: I was. Um At that time, I was about 14 years old and I was working at Caulfield on the weekend because I was still going to school at at Glenroy at the time. Mm. And um, I was working for a trainer called Don Shannon. My brother, Michael, was apprenticed to this trainer. Mm. Uh, Michael was five years older than me, so he he already had his license to ride in races. Mm. Um, At this period, Don Shannon decided to give up training and he went back to Manila. Mm. So... The Timing worked out really good, as, you know, when I look back now, because uh, as you just said, uh, Dale Short just finished his time,
2: mm.
1: and Frank was King was able to have another apprentice, and mm. I approached Frank, and he took me on board, and um, I was very fortunate to have a, have a master like Frank King throughout my career, because he kept me on a straight narrow. He, he, he looked after me like his own son, and um like I said, it was, was hard, but fair, and, uh, but kept me on straight and narrow.
0: Does the name Turbler
1: mean anything to you? Yeah, Turbler means a lot to me, the name. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first winner. Was that Bansdale? It was my third ride.
0: Goodness me. 10th of April, 1982, there were three runners in the race, Gouch. You yeah, st- there was. You started at dollar ten. Just as well, you yeah. got that one home.
1: Well, I did. Um, <laughs> my f- <laughs> exactly. My first day riding was at Ballarat, actually, and mm. there was a bit of a rap on me. And and I had my family, all my friends, relatives, I had a pretty big entourage go to Ballarat that day. And yeah. they both run second last, but on this particular day, Bansdale, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, they sort of dropped off. and. Um, I remember saying to mum and dad that morning when I left. I said to, um, I said to them both, "Look, I'll definitely run a place." Yeah. And I reckon I'm a good chance of winning. And they <laughs> looked at me. <laughs> they looked at me, thinking, "Dude, you're, you're a bit cocky after you run second last on both your first two runners." <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Little I, did they know.
0: <laughs> I can remember meeting your mum and dad. As though it were yesterday, I was uh, visiting you to conduct an interview for Sky Channel uh, in a house uh, where you lived at the time at Baldwin, from memory.
1: That's right, I did.
0: Too, and right? Mum and Dad yeah. called in while we were there. I can vividly yeah. recall meeting them. They were very warm, friendly people.
1: Well, they are. I've always been like that, and I'm very lucky. Uh, we're all, I'm one of five children. We're very lucky, Mum and Dad, have always. Been there for us and supported us in whatever we did. And uh, I couldn't have asked for two better parents.
0: 28th of December 1982, you went to Mooney Valley and you rode a horse at 46 and a half kilos by the name of War Flight, your first city
1: yes. winner. Yes, it was. It was a 1600 metre race and um, it was a Funny sort of thing because I was actually I've been riding a lot of winners in the South Gippsland area, such as Sale, Barnsdale, and Torrington, Pakenham, mm. mm. uh, on a on a weekend with my because of my three kilogram allowance, mm. and it was my first real opportunity in the metropolitan area. And um, my instructions were to ride the horse just off the speed, and what actually happened, uh, my saddle slipped about. 200 metres after the start and all I remember was when my boss Frank King said to me if every saddle slips you just got to let the horse stride and fortunately enough I was in a position to do that and I remember going down to the first turn the horse um, had a different idea, it actually bolted on me (laughs) 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 and I looked back and I was about 10 lengths in front of the field and um, I, I ended up winning the race but it was sort of like uh, I had mixed feelings, you know. I thought, thank God I won because yeah. I would have been crucified if I hadn't have, and um, they all come back to the mountain yard and they are all wrapped, and they thought I was a genius. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> the, so the uninitiated thought you were an amazing judge of pace.
1: <laughs> That's right, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't exactly what they instructed me to do in the race, but it's funny mm. how things turn out.
0: Darren, your first group one winner, a, a massive experience for any kid, was a beautiful looking horse called River Rough. Bob Hoystead trained him, and you won down the straight six in a race called the Pure Pack Stakes.
1: Yes, that's the first time I ever um, laid eyes on River Rough and actually sat on him, him and he was an amazing athlete. Um, most beautiful horse. If you ever Stood in front and asked to paint a uh, horse that you liked to paint. Well, he'd be the perfect one because it yeah, yeah. was just a jet black horse, and his confirmation was was uh, was was perfect.
0: Taj Eclipse was very important early in your career. I mean, winning the Pure Pack was good enough, but to win the Victorian Oaks at Flemington over that wonderful Carnival is even better. And you won the Victorian Oaks for Bart Cummings at eighteen years of age.
1: That was a very important um, part of my career and win of my career because um, uh, the horse was well fancied. And it was one of those races where, you know, it was more of a tactical race between myself and Maple t- uh, Heights at the time. They mm-hmm. sort of stood out a little bit. And I was fortunate enough to, to stay on Target Clips at the time as well. And actually, that was my 60th winner in the metropolitan area. So mm. that was the end of my claim. And as we know, John, you know, we've we seen plenty of good apprentices um, go through the grades and once they've wrote out the claim that they really struggle. But that was a really step stepping stone for me to show that, I, well, I could write against the best in the world with, with, without a claim and uh, yeah. it was an important part of my career. You were based
0: at Caulfield, as we said earlier, and... You were soon riding work for some great trainers: Jeff Murphy, Bob Hoisted, Angus Armonasco, and although Bart was based at Flemington, he started to give you a lot more rides too.
1: He did. Um, I was was very lucky because from day one when I started with Frank King, the beauty about being apprenticed to Frank was that we only had a small team, and. We generally got there at 3.30 30 in the morning. There was two apprentices, Chris, Catania, and myself. And mm. we'd get there in the morning and, and, and do our boxes. And we'd go and ride work everywhere else. And one of the main trainers that I worked for was Jeff Murphy from day one. Mm. And we'd start our horses around 7 o'clock. So it gave us that opportunity and, and head start. And um, Once I started to ride winners, um, Jeff, Jeff Murphy um, played, a, played a really big part in my career. Yeah. So did Bob Hoisted, of course, of horses such as River Rough and mm. Angus Arm go of True Version. Um, and then after that was Bart, that uh, I found myself once a week or twice a week going out the Flemington as well.
0: Mm. Darren, I'll get you to stand by there for a moment. We're going to pause for a break on the podcast. Be right back. Yeah. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. Talking to former champion jockey Darren Gouchy, whose biography, The Gouch, will soon be launched in Melbourne. And as I said, I'm halfway through it and I can already offer the strongest possible recommendation. If you've got the slightest interest in Australian racing, you've simply got to read The Gouch. Well, you were soon Victorian racing's whiz kid. Plenty of winners, plenty of publicity, and you got the shock of your life... When the Darren Gouchy Fan Club suddenly appeared, dozens of kids at the races waving placards. Were you pleased or slightly embarrassed?
1: Both. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, oh look, I I, I was at that time, um, because of my three kilogram. I I, I had still claim apprentice, of -hmm. course, and I had plenty of great opportunities um and plenty of support and and that day when i saw the fan club i was just amazed i couldn't believe it um <laughs> i tell you what i cop plenty of bands about it from oh, the the jockeys, but yeah. <laughs> but um look I, I i was very appreciative of the support enough you know at the time it, it happened so quick
0: You know, you could have easily lost the plot, Gouch, in that early part of your life. I mean, every day you'd pick up the paper, you'd be splashed all over the racing pages. And Frank King, your master, could see the dangers of this kind of publicity uh, engulfing his apprentice. So he came up with the solution. He worked you harder than ever before, and he made you go to bed earlier than ever before.
1: Yes, exactly right. Um, you know, I was at the age just, just like all teenagers. You know, you you like to go out and socialise a little bit, but my boss made sure that I did enough work that I was pretty tired and I couldn't be bothered going out. And It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. Like I said, it was hard but fair. It drove me mad at the time, but what I you know I can say is that's what probably made me as well. Okay. Um, kept 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 me focused and. Also, you know, I had the support of, like, not only just Frank, but his wife, Mrs King, uh, Jean King, who was, who worked um, with the jockeys at, in in the canteen at the races and, and off the course as well mm-hmm. for a number of years. And um, they, they, they've been a great racing legacy, you know, for, for a long time now, and I'm fortunate enough to be a part of that.
0: Young Talent Time was a very famous television program in that era showcasing the talents of teenagers. And to your amazement, you were invited onto the show with a racehorse in the studio. And you actually rode that horse in your racing gear. Now, that might have been a little bit uncomfortable.
1: That was very uncomfortable. Thanks to my boss, Frank King, again, he... um he said that I was going on Young Talent Time one morning and I said, no, I'm not going. I can't do that, boss. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about what am I got, you know, what, you know so never battering on a cop from the jockeys and uh, and other and people. So the boss uh, made me go, uh, talked me into going to Young Talent Time and I did. I, I rode in on a horse in my race gear. Mm. Uh, first time I met Johnny Young in the team. Yeah. And if you were I met Karen our uh, first time and mm. my wife. So, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. It was, uh, yeah.
0: She caught your eye that night. Uh, she did catch my eye. Karen Dunkerton, she was on her way to stardom uh, at that stage of her career. So she had a big decision to make, stardom or the gouch. And it, it wasn't long before you two were going out.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, you yeah, actually, you know, the first time I met Karen was, was that night, and um, she did catch my eye, and nothing much really happened for a little while because um, there's no phone numbers exchanged, John. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we, uh, I remember one day I had a little mishap at Sandown, a horse went under the barriers on me, and I nearly broke my shoulder. And uh, one of the young, talent time performers rang to see how it was, and at the time, I asked if Karen was there, and she was there, and mm. uh, that's how we got talking, and uh, that's when it started.
0: Did Karen have any understanding of racing at that stage?
1: Uh, very little. Not much at all. Mm. Not much at all. Mm. How
0: long have you been married?
1: Oh, I've been married a while now. Um, I think it's going on. Well, you, can't <laughs> it's remember, can you can't remember, can you? I can't remember. Have you about thirty years coming up? I reckon, John. Well, it
0: must be because you've got a twenty-eight-year-old. You've got yes, four kids yeah. from twenty-eight down to eighteen: Jade, yes. Brianna, Sean, and Brooke.
1: Yes, um, you know, they're all good kids. They've been great, and uh, been very lucky that way. And. They've all gone different paths. None of, them, none of them really wanted to be a jockey, except for Sean. Um, he had a little, um, little period there when he was younger where he did want to be a jockey. Uh, but the girls didn't share no, no interest, and uh, but they, they're doing very well.
0: Darren, you've got many pleasant memories of Hong Kong. Uh, you went there first up for one of those little short-term contracts uh, then you decided to go back for a much longer period of time and you had great success riding for trainers like um, uh, Laurie Founds was one and Neville Begg. You had a good association with Neville Begg in that era.
1: Yes, I did, John. You know, I went to Hong Kong for, like I said, a short stay and things went my way. I, I, I was able to ride seven winners over the period. I was there for three weeks mm. and... Shortly after that, I was, I was asked to come over to ride full-time for, for Laurie Founds, and um, look, a, a great a great man, um, a great family. Uh, I learned a lot off Laurie. It's the first time I've seen a trainer do even do their own horse dentistry, so mm. uh, he is sort of, you know, people didn't realize how good a trainer he was, but uh, he was there for a long time, and. Um, we, we had many winners, and I think our first season we nearly actually won the premiership. We run second. Mm. Uh, it was very close. It went down to the last day. So I had a great association with the family. And after that, um, I went with Neville, uh, started with Neville Begg. And as we all know, you know what a gentleman! Um, he's, he's, he's a great trainer. And uh, look, look, my time with both those trainers was, was really good in Hong Kong.
0: Not many regrets in your life, Gouch, but there is one thing that gets up your nose. No Melbourne Cups. 15 yeah. or 16 rides in the great race. Three seconds. Superimposed, Shagamar and Honour but no winners. George Moore told me once it never bothered him that he hadn't won a Melbourne Cup, but his wife told me it bothered him a lot.
1: Well, it does, it's one of those things that, well, look, every jockey um, wants to ride is, is to win that race, the Melbourne Cup, and mm. or their dream anyway. And when it happened, when I ran second the first time, I thought, well, I've got plenty of time because I was very young then. a uh, mm. horse called Chagamar. Mm. and as it turned out, well, I didn't win the Melbourne Cup, um, unfortunately, but I ran second three times, and oh, uh, you know, a little bit of luck. I might have won one, but that's the way it goes. You know, I, I I wish I had it, but it didn't happen.
0: You rode Superimpose a total of 20 times. You won five yeah. races on him. The Epsom of 1990 uh, was the second of his massive sequence of four major miles at Randwick, and he stormed home that day.
1: He did. Um, he was an amazing horse, Superimpose. He, he is the best horse I, I, I've ever rode, I believe. Um mm from day one I got on him was at Flemington and he had not won a race at this point and actually got beaten a maiden at Seymour start before but I remember Lee Freeman saying to me that day in the mountain yard this horse works like a a group one horse but he's just not putting it together Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe we you know we might try riding him back and we did ride him back that day he actually stumbled at the barriers and was back last and he he flew home. He absolutely flew home on a, on a track that was unsuited to him. It was a bit soft and mm. it was a pretty good feel. But from then on, we learned that's the way we're going to ride him and mm. he just kept on winning after that. He was a great horse.
0: You ran second uh, on him in the Melbourne Cup to Torrific, mm-hmm. uh, Friedman Quinnell at that Cup. You know, if ever Superimpose was going to run two miles, that was the day, Gouch. Didn't you have an unbelievable run in that Cup?
1: I did. I, I had a number of believable You know, as you just said, John, it was if the horse could run two mile, there, there was a big question mark. Um, when the barriers came out, I was, I thought, well, my confidence grew then because I thought, well, geez, I'm, I'm going to be doing no work early. He's going to take probably a forwardist position, which mm-hmm. he did, mm-hmm. you know, just off the pace, sixth on the fence, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. um, I knew the horse would go to sleep, and, and he did. Uh, that's the nature of the horse, and um, when, from the, from the 800 metre mark, things just happened for him and, and myself where horses in front of me uh, wanted to move off the fence and I felt, well, I know I had that much confidence in this horse and I thought, well, it doesn't matter when I get out because I know when I get out, it will just explode. Mm. Um, that's how he felt. And uh, I was able just to creep up, creep up, creep up until such a time, just after straightening, I end up behind the leader courts. And I thought, well, this is my first Melbourne Cup, I reckon I'm going to win. And I thought, just be patient, just be patient, you know. And um, when I did come out and decide to say, let's go, Mm. uh, look, he did, he did ping and he did show his customary turn of foot, uh, but didn't last for very long. It only lasted for about 50 metres and Mm. then he started to idle and, I can see a horse come down the outside. i wasn 't sure what it was. So I was more concentrating on trying to get to the line as quick as i could and mm. um, I knew I was going to run second then, and that was probably at the hundred meter mark and I mm. thought well look i, I couldn 't have asked for a better run. I was proud of the horse he'd done a fantastic job, and uh, the man it was uh, terrific, the stable mate, um, which I could have rode probably three weeks before, but I had to make a decision then and there a uh, fair way out from the race and mm. But um, look, he, he ran a super race that day, a horse that probably didn't have, was more an afterthought running him in the Melbourne Cup.
2: Yeah. And uh,
1: to do what he did just goes to show how good a horse he was. Like you mentioned before, he won back to back Epsons and Doncaster, uh, won a Cox plate. An amazing horse.
0: You had two rides for two wins on a great horse called Lonroe. <laughs> You won the St. George Stakes and the Caulfield Guineas. What did you think of him? What were your impressions of Lonro?
1: Um, he was a magnificent-looking horse. Um, he, one of those horses, when you jumped on him, as soon as you got on his back, he just gave it a straightaway wow factor. He was, in comparison, you say, well, sitting in the stall and sitting on the couch—that that was a difference, and. The first day I rode in that core field in, in the Guineas, I was a long way back, and um, it was a very good field that year. And But even at the 600, even though I was third last, I thought, well, I'm going to win. Mm. And there's not many times I've been that confident, let alone in a maiden order in a Group 1 like the Guineas. And, mm. um when I let him down after straightening, I just gave him fresh air. And when he let down, it was it was just an unbelievable feeling. He 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 actually picked him up quicker than I actually thought he would, and mm. um, blew him away.
0: Darren, when you hear the name Octagonal, uh, it's probably a little bit of a thorn in your side. You had five rides on the great horse. You ran yeah. third on him in the Caulfield Guineas. The other four were all unplaced. You couldn't make the weight in the Cox Plate of 1995, you could have ridden him, but you had no hope of getting down to his uh, weight, his allotted weight. But you had a theory about D-Gouchy and octagonal, didn't you? And you still uh, claim that you didn't get on.
1: No, we didn't. Um, race day, um, he just we never fired, and he just never fired for me, I felt, and... It was like I'd ride him all his track work. We get on great track work, and he he worked beautifully for me. And um, race day is just one of those things that happens to all jockeys, and some horses go better for others. And um, this this was one of the cases. And uh, look, I would have loved to have won a race on Octagonal. Um, Hmm. He's proven he's a champion. He's a great horse, and his will to win is unbelievable. And like I said, it, it didn't happen. Um, but I had a good association with the horse, just the same. In more
0: recent history, El Segundo was a very important horse to you because it was a time when your opportunities were starting to diminish. You won two group ones on him, you ran second in a cox plate, and you were looking forward to riding him the following autumn, but it didn't happen, Darren. You were replaced and it, it hurt.
1: It did. Yeah. Um, What you said, up. you know, like you said, it was opportunities weren't, were a bit scarce and I was at that time in the career, my career was sort of at the crossroads a little bit. And when El Secundo come along, it it gave me that real life and it gave me that real kick and um, I had a lot of success on um, El Secundo and we got beaten in the Cox Plate. We only got beaten by a short margin. I wasn't actually sure when, when we hit the line because he's one of those horses. When he stuck his neck out, he had a, he really stuck it out, and he stuck it out right on the line. And I thought, well, we might have got there, but ooh, I doubt it. But mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and went Fields of Omar's Way. And uh, look, I, I was um, I was a bit shattered then. I thought, well, that was my opportunity. But I thought in the back of my mind. Next year we'll win it. Next year because I didn't believe that El Secundo was probably at his best going into that race. I felt that he was probably ninety percent right and probably mm. on the way down in his preparation, if anything. And well, I was looking forward to the next year's Cox Plate, so to think, and or the autumn, and um, mm. when the horse come back in, I was working him, and uh, I could see Colin wanted to talk to me, and, and, and just to look on Colin's face that morning, I thought, well, something's wrong, I don't like the mm. look of this. And um, we were up in the Tower of Caulfield, we went and walked down, and Colin told me then that I was no longer the rider for El Secundo. And I, I I don't think I've ever been so shattered in my whole career, mm. um, during my whole, whole career being taken off a horse, and... I thought, well, there goes my opportunity, because so I didn't think it'd come around again, and uh, which it didn't.
0: And he did win the Cox Plate the following year, as you predicted he would, with Damien yes. Oliver up.
1: Yes, he did win the Cox Plate. Um, it was, it was, you know, Colin's a great trainer, and um, he set that horse uh, for the Cox Plate that year, and he made sure he was at his peak that year, and uh, the way it turned out, he was able to plan it a bit better um, because the horse is already qualified. Mm. So, uh, look, congratulations to them. It was, he's, he's a wonderful horse and, look, I would have loved to have be been on him in that cox plate because it would have gave me my biggest thrill, I believe.
0: You had so many lovely memories of so many great horses. Here's one, Darren, that you, you, you speak of with great affection, Shaftesbury Avenue. You won two Group Ones on him, the New Market and the Caulfield Stakes, and you rode him in the Japan Cup. You finished third.
1: Yeah, um, he's a lovely horse. He's he's the most beautiful animal to, to ride. He's he he do anything you want him to, Shaftesbury, and he was a strong he was a strong strong lad and. Uh, those two wins I had on him, especially in the new market, it was two for null a horse called Redelva, And it was a real fight, and he stuck it out. Then we, after that, later on that preparation, he was, he was sent, we end up going to Japan for the Japan Cup. And so it just goes to show the horse what he could do, the versatility of the horse. And in the Japan Cup, I thought we were pretty unlucky. You know, we... I felt we should have been very close to winning. I thought we actually, I thought we should have won Um, first time over the 2400. And he drew a sticky barrier, and we decided to ride him back uh, because of that reason. And um, we weren't getting the best of runs, but I thought at the time of the race, I, I just wanted to be patient on the horse and tried to take the shortcuts. And I thought, well, things were happening. Coming to the home turn where gaps were opening and he was making ground and travelling beautifully and um just as I was getting through I just copped a decent whack to my inside of the horse and mm. I could feel it myself h- half winded me and uh uh stopped his momentum for about a hundred meters and then he just exploded the last last sort of bit of the race and he ran third and I think two things if we sort of Originally, I thought we are going to ride him forward. If we had to ride him forward, I reckon he, well he, he would have run the 2400 still and, and probably wins. Mm. So it was one of those ones, big races that got away, but the horse done a fantastic job.
0: Gouch, if we were to elaborate on all of the good horses and the big races you won, we'd be here for three weeks. But horses like Hula Chief and Confederate Lady who broke down early, but you said she was the best two-year-old you ever rode, You won an Oaks at Randwick on Just Now for the late Jim Atkins. You won a Doncaster for the Inghams on Over. Uh, I can still see you bursting through the ruck at Eagle Farm to win the Stradbroke on Crawl. Uh, I'm only scratching the surface. The last 10 years of your career, the opportunities slowly diminished and that's a very normal thing in Australia when jockeys are getting a bit long in the tooth. But you accepted your fate... You started to travel to the provincial and country meetings. You didn't care where you went as long as you were riding.
1: That's right. Um, as it started, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to win those races, as you mentioned. I was riding for the Hawks family, um, and John and, and and the Ingham's, and they gave me some wonderful opportunities. And I'll never forget the winners I rode for them. That, that, you know, the Ingham's are a, a fantastic, fantastic family, and so is John and, and family, and um, those things never last forever. Though There comes a time where, all right, it gets a little bit stale, and um, shortly after that, I, I found it really hard. A few nice horses come after that, like Tesbury Jack. I won a few good races on him, and mm. I was getting a few opportunities. But that's slowly, as I got older um, and reached fifty, or it, it, it's uh, it's a young man's sport, and it was like I, I found I was still riding, still riding well, but I really struggled just to stay on a horse. If I want even if I won on them, so I found myself going to the country, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed doing that, even even then, because I was going to the races and I hadn't hadn't probably five or six rides, and mm. I was probably riding a winner or two or three some days, and. And uh, that's what it's all about is winning. And I still had that buzz and I, I still got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I still enjoyed that that period right to the end.
0: Darren, you probably would have gone on for another couple of years, but this wonderful opportunity came along with Racing Victoria for you to join uh, the organisation in a mentoring role with apprentice jockeys and you simply didn't want to miss it. Had you delayed it for another 12 months, it may not have been available. Uh,
1: That's right. Um, I I always had in the back of my mind that I would like to be a jockey mentor, apprentice jockey mentor, and I thought that that's something I've done all my life, and it it wouldn't be so much easier for me to do, but I'd enjoy it more than anything else. uh, when the job was available, and it doesn't come around very often, as I, as I knew, I thought look, uh, maybe it's time I, I, I did that, and um, there's a little bit more to it than I thought. I had to go back to school, basically, go to university to do my certificate four, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been to school for about, what, 36 years, and mm-hmm. I think I had two nervous breakdowns, and... <laughs> Ended up my <laughs> ended up my daughter basically did my third fall for me. Yeah, so, <laughs> good on you. I got I, I got through it, um, and now I've started. I, I get a lot of enjoyment training and mentoring the apprentices. It's a team of four of us there at Racing Victoria, such as uh, Matt Pumper, mm. uh, Ron Hall, and Melissa Weverley. and. Uh, we all work very well together, and I think the system we've got in Victoria is very good. And um, like I said, I get a buzz out of seeing them, um, especially in the first couple of years when they're starting off. Uh, mm. You see a lot of them that you say when you first see them, you say, "Well, look, you're just a natural and of the other. But the ones that you get more of a buzz at are the ones that really work hard. That probably aren't so natural at first, but just because of their hard work, that they mm. They achieve a winner or two, and, and really get and That's where you say, "Well, give it You're proud of that, you know. That's period.
0: Mm. Now, Darren, you hold classes uh, in a special room at Racing Victoria headquarters, and you're also attending quite a lot of race meetings.
1: Yes, we we do. That um, pump, and also myself, we do attend a lot of race meetings. Um, when we see a lot of our apprentices there, or quite a few of them, we we do like to attend, um, just to get amongst it uh, with them and help them on the day, and even if they need representation in the steward room, if need to be, um, we're there. And on the other hand, we'll have a minute apprentice school once a month, and well year one, year one apprentices coming once a month, and mm. um, year two, year three, year four apprentices coming at different times, but. We'll, the The school when they do come into Flemington is amazing. Um, we have you know people like psychologists talk to them, um, physio, physiotherapists go go over them, mm. um, dietitians. Um, we're there on a the mechanical horse with them. We watch replays with them. We go through their races with them. Um, we get everybody you know different people coming all the time talking about finance uh, about. Well-being about drugs, alcohol, uh, all, all these different things, that, and, and there are only a few of them, only just to touch a base. And uh, mm. it's a, like I said, it, it's a lot to it, um, a lot more than what I thought it was. But, I, but I'm enjoying it. So all a kid
0: has to do today, Darren, is to have some natural ability in the saddle, because everything else is done for them.
1: Well, it is um, well, these days, because they're young, and, and at that age, they're. They need a bit of guidance, like we all did, and uh, I think uh, because racing's so busy now, it's it's you know, day and night, and they're they're really you know up early in the morning, and they're riding work, and they're lots of races. They might travel two or three hours in a car, so mm. their workload is quite it's quite a lot. Mm. So we try to do as much as we can for them.
0: Well, I can imagine those young budding jockeys would be hanging on every word that you utter because there can't possibly be a better role model anywhere in the world than Darren Gouchy. Gouch, it's all in the book. A wonderful career, a wonderful life in racing and a contribution that can never be measured by one of the true nice guys of Australian racing and it's been an absolute delight to talk to you on the podcast. When will the book be launched by the
1: way? Uh, The book will be launched on the 11th of October, Mm -hmm. so it's not far away now. Um, I'm looking forward to that. and uh, Thanks very much, John. It's been a pleasure being on, and uh, hopefully um, be on again soon.
0: I'll catch up with you next time in Melbourne.
1: That'd be good. Thanks very much, John. Thanks, Gouch. For over
0: 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for group one wins and the only auction house to sell a group one winning two year old. They sold four in fact. I'm
2: proud to align myself with Inglis number one in its field.